Morning, everyone. Can anybody guess what we're going to talk about this morning? Um, before we open the word, we're going to be in James uh, chapter 5. We're um, going to be covering most of the chapter. There's one big kind of chunk in the middle. Can you turn me down just a little bit, please? A little bit more, thank you. There's one big chunk right in the middle that we're going to save for next week. Um, and that's going to be our last sermon in the book of James. But we're going to cover the rest of this from 7 through 20. And before we begin to read, I just want to pray for us one more time. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be here to speak your word, Father. I thank you that your word is truth, Lord. Even your own prayer for us, Jesus, is that we would be sanctified by your truth, and your word is truth. That's what you said. We believe it. We submit to you this morning. So, Father, give us open hearts and open ears to receive your word with joyful obedience, Lord. And I pray that whatever message you have to speak today, that it would be spoken, Father, that you would let our flesh fail, Father, and your spirit rise up, that we would be in one accord with your heart and spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Starting in verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Down to verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, let someone turn and someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Amen. So, <clears throat> as James close out, closes out his letter here, um, he moves a, a, away a little bit from really focusing on key issues and kind of expounding things out. And, <sighs> my Bible quit. There we go. And he begins to really just put some things into perspective for us. So at the ending of his letter, he's really just reaffirming some of the basics of the Christian faith. The reason why Pastor Mark has been reading from Matthew 5 during our call to worship is because pretty much all of this is, or big chunks of this is found in Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5. And he's really just echoing uh, the teaching of Jesus, even Jesus pulling from the Old Testament scriptures. And it's just an echo of God's heart and will for us across the ages. But... Last week, we were focusing on, let me turn back here, submitting to God and acknowledging the Lord and what that looks like. So we talked about um, acknowledging the Lord and the way we deal with each other, 
right? And not being bitter, not hanging on to things, not being prideful. We talked about those who are in the business field, the merchants, not to say, oh, yeah, we're going to go next year. We're going to make all this money, but to acknowledge the Lord, to wait patiently for his will, for those who are landowners, for them not to uh, take advantage of people for wealthy gain, but just to consider God. And we were talking about how considering God before we act, before we speak, before we plan, how really that should maybe affect our judgment a little bit. That should affect the way we treat others and the way we go about our life. That if I'm angry and there's that little piece of my heart, I just want to say, you know what? And I stop and I think about the Lord and I think about his righteousness, that that should cure my tongue maybe just a little bit, right? But now James is, is coming and he's giving us a different perspective. And so the big deal here, I think, in James's heart is the fact that the Lord is coming. Right? Y'all know that? Jesus is coming back. He says, the Lord is coming back. And therefore, he's addressing us. And he says, so in this time, as we wait for his appearing, you need to handle yourself well. You need to be patient. You need to be steadfast. You need to concern yourself with the things that concern the Lord because the Lord is coming back. And when he comes back, he is going to be very concerned for his body and what they did with their time. There's plenty of parables that Jesus gives about, you know, the, the owner goes away and the servant is there, and oh, you know, my master, he's, he hasn't come back, and I don't know when he's coming, so he just starts to drink and go his own way. He starts to beat his fellow servants, and then the master comes home at a time when he wasn't expecting, and Jesus says, what is the master going to say but take him out and cut him in two? Throw him out into outer darkness, right? There's another parable where Jesus he tells us that the kingdom of God is like this, that there are these three men, and they all get a talent or, or you know, a different level of investment. And some go out, and they do well with theirs, and they invest it, and they had 10, and they come back, and the master comes back and said, hey, you gave me 10, I'm giving you 10 more that I've made for you. There is one who was given five, and he goes, and he takes what he was given, and he uses his time wisely, and he comes back, and he says, hey, you gave me five, I gave you five more. And in both of those times, uh, Jesus says, the master, what is he going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in little. I'm going to make you ruler of much, right? To the one who gave, came back with 10, here, give him 10 cities. And then there is one who Jesus says, this master invests just one talent to this man. And the man, he goes and he digs a hole and he buries it. And he kind of just... Yeah, that'll be safe. And then the master comes back and he goes and he gets and he says, look, I knew you were a hard man. I knew that you, you reap where you don't sow and you sow when you don't reap. He says, so I took your money and I buried it and here's the one you gave me. Here, you can have it back. And Jesus says, the master said to that man, if you knew my character, you knew who I was, you knew I reap where I don't sow and sow, that I don't reap, you should have at least invested that so I had something in my investment to come back to. And because that man was unfaithful to what he was given, he said, take that one and give it to him who had 10. Because he who has more will be given and he who does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. 
And I think we're going to see the heart of that echoed in James' writing today because in this understanding of our, our view, our perspective on life, that we need to understand that Jesus is coming back and he's coming for, to take account of his kingdom. We need to understand that he's calling us to be patient. He's calling us to hold our integrity and he's calling us to be concerned with our brethren. So we're going to see that. So join me again in verse 7. James writes, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So it's really interesting um, here and in the next paragraph as James is telling us that the Lord is coming. It's like there's kind of this twofold understanding of that. It's like, you know, Jesus is coming back, so be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Be, understand that, yes, there's trials. Yes, there's struggles. Yes, there's hardships, but just be patient. Jesus is coming, and he's going to reward your sacrifice, right? At their time, I mean, and, and well, today, even all around the world, there are people who are being persecuted, people who are dying and giving their lives simply because they worship Jesus. No other reason. And what are they doing? They're being faithful, and Jesus is telling them, just like they tell just be patient. I'm coming again. When you see me, you'll have your reward, just endure. And then there's this other, this other side of it, though, and that same heart of knowing, like, we need to wait on Jesus. It says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He's at hand. He's coming soon. And so it's kind of odd. It's like, how do we consider God, and how do we, how do we have a mindset to both say, I need to be patient because Jesus is coming, and understand that there's going to be this gap of time, right, between now and then, and at the same time have a heart that says Jesus is coming soon and I need to take care of my father's business. It seems kind of odd if you think about it, but in reality, that's what, that's what James is calling us to. He's calling us to look at the fact that Jesus is coming and you do not know the day or the hour. And either Jesus is coming back or your time will expire and you're going to go meet him. Either way, at some point, in some point soon, we are going to see the Lord face to face. And of course, on his second coming, the time is, it's only getting closer. Israel has been established as a nation. They're already making plans on, re, on rebuilding another temple, right? The sage will be set. The world hates the Jews for whatever weird reason, just because God said that was going to happen, I guess. I don't know why they hate them so much, but they do. Um, and the, sage is, the stage is being set for, the, for their national identity, for their temple, and for the, for the book of Revelation to be fulfilled where the nations will surround them to destroy them. And then in this point of tribulation, Christ himself will return and will strike the nations with the word of his mouth and put all kingdoms, all powers, all authorities under his feet. And for a couple thousand years, that was... A one day, someday, maybe sooner or later, 
But in the last hundred years, Israel's existence has made that time look real close. Real, real close. So the day is coming. And, you know, I was thinking about this where James points us to this idea of a farmer. And I think this is so cool. You know, when we, when we look at the parables and we look at how God very often points our relationship with him and our relationship with the trials uh, that we go through to things in the world, I don't think that it just happens to, oh, well, you know, this kind of works out. No, I think, I think God created seasons on purpose. God created seasons on purpose. God created, you know, the harvest and the season of sowing and the rain and the cycles. All of this, not, they just happen to match up with some of the ways we experience God. I think God had our experience in mind when he designed these things, right? Oh, I'm standing in front of the words again. And um, James tells us, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Let's unpack that a little bit. Anybody here ever had a struggle with being patient? Any ever, anybody ever just said, you know, Lord, why don't, we just, why don't we just do this now? You know what I mean? You're God of all things. You can move it. Just move it. I'll go. You know, Lord, give me, make me, send me. And we want everything done so quickly, right? It's my money. I want it now. Man, I'm, you know, in about 10 years, people probably, you know, college age people probably won't even know what that reference is. I'm going to be really old. But, you know, what are these cycles for? So he says, look at the farmer waiting for the, the early and the latter rains. So it's interesting. The rain comes, right? And obviously you need rain to make crops grow. It's pretty simple. We all kind of have that understanding. And what happens? That rain falls. Those seeds have been planted into some soil, hopefully good soil. And that initial rain, what does it do? It germinates that seed, right? It takes something that was otherwise dead. Take a dead seed, you put it into some dead dirt, it ain't going nowhere, okay? And it takes this situation that would otherwise be dead, and the Lord himself provides rain, and it germinates, and suddenly this life is formed, right? And these roots begin to sprout, and these nutrients comes in, and this little seed begins to break open, and it kind of has to die to itself. There's this process of that shell dying, and then this new life coming out, and it breaks through, and then it needs more rain, and it's able to grow, and some leaves are being able to sprout. And it's like, man, I look pretty good. I'm all green and leafy. And then, you know, there's this time of growing. And there's this whole season. There's this whole time of waiting before planting and harvest. Where the farmer's job, not so much, really, not so much. And then in due time, God brings the latter rains that come. And what are those rains for? It's a provision of God that, that enables the full maturity of this plant and harvest. And then in due time, in due season, this rain comes and suddenly all of this, 
All of this work, all of this plowing, all of this sowing, all of this hope that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Lord to show, God brings provision down from heaven and suddenly maturity comes about and there's fruitfulness from this plant, from this crop. And that's why Paul talks about, you know, the farmer, when he sows, he sows with hope that there's going to be some profit, there's going to be some blessing from this process. And it's interesting, I was thinking about this last night, and most of that process is God. The farmer doesn't make the dirt. The farmer doesn't produce seed, right? The farmer can't make it rain. The majority, like nine-tenths of this process, God provides for in his own time, in his own season, in his own purpose. The farmer, you know what his really his only job is? Plow, plants, wait. Plow, plant, wait. There's, there's this expectation from the farmer that God is going to provide these necessary seasons and times. And that he's going to be blessed even by the fruit. And then there's this, there is this expectation from God to man that the farmer is simply going to be faithful in the in-between seasons. And that when the fruit does come, the farmer is going to be faithful to reap. And that he's going to give a rest, and then the farmer is going to be faithful just to... What is Paul alluding to here? It's pretty, pretty straightforward, I think. Before... The Lord is coming, okay? And he has promised that all who believe in his name, his blood on the cross was enough to pay for your sins forever. The check has been written. We just, we receive it by faith. We cash it and it is done. The Lord receives us with open arms. And we wait patiently for that reward. And until then, just like the parables we, parables we talked about, until then, what is God's real experience? expectation for us just be faithful just wait just endure when you know you're in the season to plant just plant don't worry about the harvest don't worry about the rains God's going to provide all those things you need just just be faithful where you are be faithful with God what, what God has already given you and God will provide the outpouring to bless you and to bring these things to pass. That anxiety to jump ahead, to make it happen. Blessed are the meek. We just slow down and we say, Lord, the Bible says be anxious for nothing, but in all things let your petitions be made known to God, Lord. Here's my desire, here's what I see, here's what I'm hoping for. Father, help me. And then we just be faithful to wait, and God will bring his will to pass. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So now we're going to talk about understanding that Jesus' is coming is at hand. It's close. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you come under condemnation. Behold, here again, here's this urgency. The judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. 
Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. And listen to this very carefully. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. Intended. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. If you're familiar with Job at all, um, Job was the most righteous man on earth. He was a wealthy man. He had a large family. He had lots of camels and donkeys and probably other great things. And all in one fell swoop, Satan was allowed to come against his wealth and abundance. And in one day, he lost all his wealth. Raiders came and carried it off. He lost all his children. The walls where they were fell, and all of his children were killed. And in one day, everything he had was wiped out. And he fell on his knees and he mourned. And even the messengers all showed up at the same time. And it wasn't like he got a little bit of time to like deal with this. And no, all at once, everything he had was taken from him. And the Bible tells us that Job fell on his knees in the midst of these trials. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, and in all these things, he did not sin with his mouth. And so as time goes on, Satan's allowed to afflict him in different ways. At some point, he's, he's literally scraping boils off his skin with pot sherds. And we look at the story and we're like, how is any of this good? Like, this does not sound like the pretty perfect, you know, I love Jesus, Jesus loves me message. What are you talking about? But see, there is this testing of his faith. There is this trial. And through the end of it, I obviously can't take you through the whole story of Job. It's kind of long. But at the end of it, there's this time for seven days. His friends sit with them, and then, and then they begin to basically accuse him that, oh, all these disasters have come upon you because of your own unfaithfulness. And Job says, no, you know, no, no, no. And then finally, at one point, he gets kind of just frustrated with that process. And he's like, well, if I've been unfaithful, then let God answer me. It's kind of in the nutshell. You know what happens? God answered. And Job shut up real quick. But it says that there was an end intended. And so at the end of this, this time of suffering, this time of endurance, where he was just called to be faithful and to bless the name of the Lord, even through difficult times, which for the most part, he did. You know what the end was? Job has been remembered and honored forever. To this day, his name is still in the Bible that we read. That's all over in right now. Yeah, look it up. In pretty much every nation of the world. The Bible is the best-selling book every day, <laughs> every year, by the way. Anytime that it says there's a number one bestseller, it's actually number two. They literally don't list the Bible because it would always win. And he is still honored to this day. Through the book of Job, we see God express himself in a way that really, in some cases, you don't see anywhere else in Scripture. Right? And we see this picture of endurance and faithfulness of God. And at the end of it, God gave him back twice as much wealth and honor. And everything he had, God gave back to him double. And even gave him the same number of kids he lost, he gave him again. And so coming into the kingdom, he's got twice as many kids. God did not allow these things to happen to him in vain. God wasn't somehow just beating him up because he enjoys it. No, God was intending to show his glory through Job's life. 
and to reveal something even to us today, we're still understanding the goodness of God through that short period of suffering. And God's intention for Job was good. He was more blessed at the end than he would have ever been at the beginning. And that is what God is doing with each one of our lives. And James is saying, remember the prophets. Remember Job. Be patient. Right? But also know that God is a good judge. He stands at the door. And we need to be careful as we wait, as we're being patient, that we remain faithful. I guess the, the, the phrase I want you to, to keep at mind is hold your integrity. Just hold your integrity. Don't grumble against your brothers. Be faithful. And then we see in verses 12, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no you know, lest you fall into judgment. Hold your integrity, I think is kind of the point James is getting across. Now let me ask you something. When someone comes and asks you for money, okay, hey man, I really need 50 bucks, you know, I just need, you know, I need some gas, like, can you just hook me up? Hey, look, look, I promise, I promise, you know, next Friday I'm going to get it to you, I really will, I swear, man, I swear, I'm going to pay you back. You know what I immediately think they're not going to do when they start promising and swearing? I immediately assume they're not going to pay me back, right? And I have an eight-year-old. Where is he? Is he in here? No, he's not in here. Caden, he's been my sermon example quite a few times. And uh, all the time, Daddy, I promise, I promise. I'm like, Caden, if you would just do what you said you'd do and I could trust you, you wouldn't have to promise. The fact that you're promising right now is because you so consistently don't do what you're going to say you're going to do. So I don't believe your promise, right? And gee, this, is, this is from uh, Matthew 5, I think 33 and 34. This is almost an exact quote from Jesus. You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths. Next verse. But Jesus says, I say to you, don't swear at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your own head, because you can't even make one hair white or black. Next verse. But let your yes be yes and your no, no. For Listen to this. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You know, when James instructs us, when Jesus instructs us, instructs us not to make oaths, not to swear, First of all, if you put yourself into a binding, you, oh, I promise I'm going to pay you, I promise this is going to happen. You don't know what tomorrow even holds. When suddenly your, your, your car breaks down, your tire pops, you got to take it to the shop and get it fixed and replace the tire and say, oh, well, it's okay because I'll get paid Friday. I'll pay him back Saturday. And then Friday comes and your boss says, hey, sorry, I won't have your check till Monday. Something happened with our booking. And Friday comes, and suddenly you're in a place where you cannot fulfill your commitment. There's a place of integrity there that gets attacked. Let alone, he says, anything more than just, just say yes and be honest. Just say no and do what you said. Anything more than that, it's from the evil one. Typically, there's that trying to, to persuade to make something. Oh, I promise. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can trust me. Right? Just hold your integrity. 
Of course, finally, just as a side note, a lot of times in, in the Jewish culture and in any other pagan culture, people would make oaths, right? We don't do that a whole lot. We just say, oh, yeah, I promise, but we're not going around making oaths and shaving our heads and doing weird stuff to fulfill our oaths. But they did that stuff back then, really. They did. And one of the, one of the things was is when you made an oath, you were making this promise and you were invoking the judgment of a god, saying, if I don't do this, there will be this outcome. And how about we not get on God's bad side? You know, it's better just to not make an oath at all. Finally, verses 19 and 20, James writes, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You know, this was kind of a difficult series of verses to cover in one sermon and, and to try to have some sort of uniform theme here. But really, when we understand that Jesus, Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon, and that really all he's calling us to do is to be faithful, there's something in that. There's something in that I think, for me, it's both empowering, and I need to be about my father's business. I need to not be idle. I need to really watch the way I love. I need to watch the way I speak. I need to watch the way I act. And I want to walk pleasing to the Lord so that when he comes back, I'm one of the guys where Jesus says, well done, faithful servant, not what the heck were you doing with your time? Be cast out into outer darkness. I don't want to be that guy. But there's also a place in this where there's a comfort knowing that sometimes I go through these seasons and I feel like I don't always see, you know, the Lord doing what I want him to do or, or what I thought he was going to do. And there's these times of struggle and it's like, Lord, like, where are you in this? You have these promises. But there's this, I think, this comfort, at least for me, where I know, hey, sometimes we're just in that period before the early rains and the latter rains. And you just need to be faithful and you need to know that God is faithful and he has not forgotten you. He's coming. Right? He's coming. And so finally, the, the last thing we need to understand is that in this process of being faithful to God, of being patient and knowing God is coming, he's going to make all these things right, you are not doing this by yourself. Even if you're trying to, you're not. God has made us into one body. The Bible says we're all different parts. You know, Jesse's a knee. Jason's the tendon, Rachel's the big toe, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but we're all part of this one body, and so whatever we do, we're in this together, rather you like it or not. And if you want to do it by yourself, that's great, it's just going to be harder for you, but you're no, sep no more separated from the body than the people that are doing it together. And so when the Bible tells us, we've been looking at this the last couple weeks from Leviticus and Jesus quoting, love your neighbor as yourself. There's this place where as I'm struggling and as I'm learning to endure and as I'm seeing God being faithful, that's the reason we have the time for praises and prayer requests. A lot of times, even when I don't, I don't have anything to say sometimes, and I'm just listening, and I'm hearing, man, other people say, hey, God came through with my finances. Hey, God healed my aunt. Hey, last week we prayed and this happened, and I'm getting encouraged. I'm like, yes, Lord, thank you. Like, what you did for them, I need that. 
And so there's this place where we're made to encourage one another. That's why just something like, man, being here on a Sunday and worshiping and praying and just being open with one another is so powerful. Because Jesus is coming back. And just as I want to be faithful, I want my brother next to me to be found faithful. And that's why James tells us, if you see someone wandering from the truth, and you will, Satan is sneaky. We got a, in our, in our little leadership, you know, group, we've got a pretty common saying, the devil's a punk. Okay? It is true. He is sneaky. And the flesh is infinitely lustful. And there are these times where we get caught and we start to get pulled away. And we need to be watchful for one another, not to condemn, not to throw stones. But as I see my brother wandering, I'm like, hey, what are you, get your butt back here. Where are you going? You were going the wrong way, buddy. We're going this way. Right? You don't get to turn back. Come on, man. We need to be watchful for one another as we're waiting for the Lord, as we're enduring, as we're being patient. And know that if when you see a brother wandering from the truth, if you're the guy who turns him back, do you know what that means for you? Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. The wages of sin is death, and that has not changed, Christian or not Christian. If you want to walk in sin, if you want to walk in sexual immorality, if you want to be a liar and a thief and a murderer, even just in your heart, you're going you're gonna to deal with the consequences of that, and it's going to negatively affect your life. And that's not, oh, God is so mean to me. No, that's, you did it to yourself. But when we see that, we encourage one another on in the faith, on in the love. No, turn away from that. Don't you know what the word of the Lord says? Brother, let me pray for you. Lord, Lord, just hear us as my brother confesses. Look, I'm gonna, let's confess our sins together. Let's pray together and let God's forgiveness be faithful to us. You're saving that soul from death and your, their sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. First John says that when we walk in the light like he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen? The Lord is coming, guys. Be patient. Hold your integrity. Just be faithful, right? And watch, watch your brothers with love. Let's stir one another up to the way we need to go. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would strengthen us, Father, that times are difficult, but Lord, we need your patience, your spirit to make us steadfast. Lord, help us to look steadfastly on your face. And when we do, the things of the world just begin to slip away. So help us to hold our integrity, even in hard times, to not curse or act out in anger or in frustration, but, Lord, to just simply be faithful. And, Lord, let us be a body that truly cares for one another so that we can encourage each other out of darkness and further and further into your light. Let your will be done, King Jesus. Amen. We're going to conclude with the Lord's table.